Hi, hey, hello everybody, FPL teacher here, back with West Ham nil Leicester 2. We look at what Leicester continue to do right somehow after the catastrophic start of Danny Ward in goal, now keeping I don't know how many clean sheets on the bounds now, while also reviewing James Madison's performance, his role prior to his injury in this match, while looking at what West Ham did in response, at least tactically. West Ham, no stranger to 4-2-3-1 with Rice and Suchek at the helm. Really, the question came down usually to who Moyes plays up front. The front four currently stands as Benrama, Paqueta as the number 10, as well as Bowen all supplementing Gianluca Scamaca as the number 9. And the style of play as such in games is that West Ham's long ball strategy remains extremely pertinent, but in the final third this time round, they elect to aim for Scamaca with Paqueta and Benrama in particular picking up second balls. From then on, it is essentially free reign as the likes of Suchek can bomb forward, Ben Rama can dribble past multiple players really, and Paqueta himself is starting to grow into the game. In particular, this match across a lot of different areas of the pitch. In order to objectively assess West Ham's effectiveness, we really have to look at how they create their moments of magic through Ben Rama or Paqueta. Between game weeks 8 to 13, it was Ben Rama who was drifting all over the pitch, either attempting to beat his man on the wing, if not beating two central midfielders going infield. From game week 13 onwards, especially after Skamaka's injury, you could see that Paqueta now had a wider license to drift to the flanks, if not be in line with Suchek from deep midfield just to look for one of the flank players. The result of this particular tactic was that it was rather predictable, initially dominated by Leicester in the opening stages, and really Paqueta only came to life when West Ham were 1-0 down. Now having said that, when Lucas Paqueta drops deep to receive the ball, there is a massive gap between himself and Benrama or Skamaka, and this was where the likes of Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek eventually stepped up. Suchek himself actually was able to drift into these number 10 positions where Paqueta could find him. And it was Suchek who would play in the likes of Skamaka, if not Paqueta himself, to shoot from the edge of the box. If not, Benrama himself would make runs behind defensive lines in order to take a shot from wide. Fortunately enough, Arsenal at the Emirates will give us plenty of clues before we look at whether West Ham retained this approach or will they attempt to reintroduce Pablo Fornals into midfield just as an additional central midfielder so that they can play the fullbacks in, if not establish a more solid connection between the front three. Now, for FPL purposes, West Ham's fixtures after Arsenal, Reed, Brentford, Leeds, Wolves and Everton all traditionally weak down the flanks, well, bar Everton. So, at this stage, the likes of Bowen and Skamaka, uh, sorry, the likes of Bowen and Ben Rama are very, very likely to bear fruit here, but only really as assisters. The issue with West Ham is that they very rarely score goals from tight angles, and a lot of their chances were created centrally, at least taken centrally by the likes of Skamaka, if not Paqueta himself. 
Essentially, the way to view West Ham assets in general, whether you're picking a full bank or whether you want to invest money into the likes of Skamaka or potentially a Bowen, is that you're looking for a set and forget option for four weeks after that Arsenal game. More importantly, if you were to look at Brentford, Leeds and Wolves in terms of their wing play, their left flank, all three sides left flanks are significantly more attacking than their right side, which bears a lot of good fortune potentially for the likes of Jared Bowen operating on the right side. Leicester's traditional 4-1-4-1 often looks like a 4-2-3-1 with Jonan Dewsbury Hall dropping extremely deep to receive the ball at times. So really in possession, they look like a 4-2-3-1 until they reach the final third where KDH basically bombs into the box on the left side to look like a 4-1-4-1. Now, <clears throat> in this particular matchup, West Ham's balls were thoroughly intercepted by Soomare and KDH. But the key difference was what they did with the ball after they played it into the final third. One of the opening catalysts of the match, James Madison, playing on the right side initially, always elected to drift infield into the number 10 position just to play sort of wall passes to the wide forwards. So the sequence of play here really hinged on James Madison playing in one of the wide forwards, usually Harvey Barnes, running behind the defence, if not wide of the defence, eventually waiting for one of the central midfielders to overload a particular space in the final third, crossing the ball for the right side. Now, I'm aware that there has been a lot of talk about Madison's injury potentially, so the direct replacement, Dennis Pratt, has known to step up before, I believe, starring in a 2-0 win against Leeds quite recently. So, at this stage, Leicester do have like-for-like -like placements for Madison, like-for-like -like replacements for Madison, but Harvey Barnes represents the more value-for-money option simply because of his direct running from behind defences. So, the thing about Leicester that makes them extremely attractive is that they, just like West Ham, they do not have to dominate the ball in order to look really good. This is why owning someone like Barnes or Petsandaka or Jamie Vardy in previous seasons really doesn't require us to watch games because it is an extremely stressful experience watching them basically get none of the ball, waiting for all these long passes behind defences just for these Leicester players to have guile in order to win free kicks, penalties or whatever loose chances, forcing errors from opposition defences. Conveniently, for FPL purposes, Leicester do have two game weeks for James Madison to recover, so there's no rush really to invest in Leicester assets. But at this stage, <clears throat> if we assume that Madison doesn't recover in time given the short turnaround of fixtures, we can at least find solace in the fact that Harvey Barnes is constantly a menace moving forward and after the Newcastle-Liverpool stretch, Fulham has a very attacking set of fullbacks on the right side, especially if they maintain Bobby Reid at right back instead of their conventional ones. At the same time, Nottingham Forest concede a lot of space out wide, which sets the stage for Harvey Barnes to set up any of the right wingers. 
Lastly, a word of warning for Danny Ward Iverson combo owners. At this stage, they do have five difficult fixtures in the next seven games, with this Newcastle Liverpool stretch followed by a game week 23 to 25 stretch of Spurs, Arsenal, and City maybe. So really you are looking at decent rotational options for the next eight. Fortunately, there are three goalkeepers that will rotate while having two good fixtures of the next two followed by something decent between 23 and 25. The premium options unfortunately are Jose Sa and David De Gea, both around 5 million but for 0.5 cheaper, Leno from Fulham does rotate decently well with the Danny Ward. The similarities between both sides really boils down to number one, not relying on dominance but rather moments of magic triggered by fantastic number 10s that can also operate out wide. At the same time, after they take a 1-0 lead, they do rely on counter-attacks, usually feeding a winger on one side that has, is extremely direct, creating for the other side. Now, without James Madison, obviously, Harvey Barnes becomes extremely appealing but Thankfully, both teams have short-term bad fixtures in order for us to see what really works in the medium term. This is FPL Teacher speaking. Who will look at Newcastle Chelsea up next?